You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. Employers need to have compassion and they need to have empathy. And I think under extraordinary circumstances, you need to adapt. I've seen, unfortunately, in a lot of conversation around this great resignation, a huge lack of compassion, a huge lack of empathy or understanding on circumstances people were put in and don't necessarily have control over. Hey, hey, and welcome back to Pause on the Play. It is amazing to see you here where you're challenged to reconsider your normal and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here to get the dialogue going. So today I have a conversation that goes into all things company culture, talk about values again, of course, that's always going to come up (laughs) pretty much all the time. Um, Culture fit interviews. And we're even going to touch on the great resignation in a few places because that's huge. And I'm really excited to have um, a client and a friend, um, Rebecca Teeth on. Rebecca is a CEO, creative entrepreneur, problem solver, and dreamer. I love that she has that in her bio because it is accurate. It is very true about Rebecca. She is the owner and founder of Red Star Creative. Red Star Creative is a branding and digital marketing company building and supporting brands for small businesses and nonprofits in the educational, environmental, and family services space. Red Star Creative supports organizations working for social impact and equity. Rebecca has a passion for helping change makers that matches her passion for running a business. Over the past 10 years, Rebecca has been involved in multiple volunteer roles, including marketing chair for the AFP Maryland chapter and National Association of Women Business Owners, Baltimore chapter as well as receiving Maryland's Top 100 Women Award in 2014 and 2018. Rebecca is also a graduate of the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program, Baltimore Cohort 7. And I say that because I want you to know that I will have people on and I do have um, the great pleasure of having friendship relationships with them. However, these individuals are amazing. Knowing the types of people that I have the distinct honor of being able to work with and support as well as know as humans really has been an extra layer of what I do that I've greatly appreciated. 
And the work that I've done with Red Start has been so great to just kind of witness, you know, what's happened, but also that they really did start off as a great team before we started working together. And it's just continued to evolve. And I've loved it. And because they are local right here in Baltimore as well, of course, a little bit of hometown pride there too. So I am excited for you to listen as Rebecca and I get into it. So without further ado. So I am super, super, super excited to get into this conversation with you, Rebecca. So welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am really excited. I know that's an overused phrase, but I'm pretty (laughs) pumped about this. (laughs) You and me both. I am very much looking forward to talking about you know, not only a number of the things that I think are happening right now, as we are obviously right in the middle of the great resignation, but I want to talk about also some really great things. Um, And in the time that I've, you know, I've known you longer than I've worked with you on your team. However, the time that I've worked with you on your team has really, um, laid out some beautiful things. And if I've never told you before, um, you and your team are actually one of the archetypes that I have of like, this is the team that you want to build for yourself. So awesome. there's not a a better person that I would, you know, want to have this conversation with because of course, like I love working with Red Start. So I'd love to start with, um, obviously, people know who you are from the bio standpoint, but I feel like we're so much more than our bio. So I'd love for you to share um, a little bit quickly about who Rebecca the human is. Uh, Thank you, Erica. And thank you for those words. I really appreciate it. You know, you start a business and you just start doing things like instinctually, right? Mm -hmm. And so I always love to tell a little bit about who I am by saying I am very lucky to have been raised in the circumstances I've had and to have the parents that I have. I think when we look at how we grew up, when we look at values that were instilled in us, you know, I look at how I'm doing things today. And so much of that is foundational. Obviously, it grows as you become your own person. um, But I like to recognize I was born into extremely fortunate circumstances and really hit the parent jackpot. um, That, yeah, I mean, that really encouraged me uh, well, I'm the, first off, I'm the oldest of four kids. So obviously, that explained a lot about me. I'm very extroverted. Um, <laughs> I like to organize. I like to tell people what to do um, because I was always a little leader. So, um, but just different things that you see growing up, things that you model, um, you know, how you're taught to treat other people, how you're taught to feel free to express who you are. Um, I think that's a really great thing, too. Um, a funny story about me, not to go in too in depth, but like growing up, I had the kind of parents that encouraged me that I could do a lot of things. So I thought for a while that I was going to be the first female professional baseball player for the New York Mets. Now, first off, I I was an okay sports, you know, athlete, but mm-hmm. like I held on to that dream for a really long time probably because of who my parents were. They're like, you can go do whatever. Now, obviously that's translated, but, you know, having parents that are encouraging those traits in you mm-hmm. are like, well, why won't I start a business? You know, at, I don't know. I was like in my early thirties. Well, of course I'm going to start a business and of course I'm going to go do this. And of course I'm going to go help change the world. <laughs> um, right. So I think that 
says a lot about me. I'm an extrovert. I'm a loud talker. I'm extremely type A, but also creative. Um, I was a dancer growing up, so I really had that creative, expressive part in me. But I love me some organization. So I've kind of embraced those sides of myself. So I like using the phrasing type A creative. Ooh, I like it. That sounds accurate. <laughs> it everything does, I know it? about you, I'm like, that's accurate. Yep, absolutely. It is. Okay, so that being said, this energy and this type of intentionality that really is just who you are and how you are, this was what you brought into creating the entity that we now know as Red Start. And so I'm curious of, you know, if there are any differences in Red Start as a whole, as well as its team, you know, pre-pandemic as well as now, because of course it feels like there was life before and then there's life now, which feels like two very different things. But I, you know, with that type of energy that you bring, I'm very curious how that's translated into, you know, where Red Start was then and how it's changed and evolved into what it is now. How, you know, have your skill sets, those innate skill sets supported that? Absolutely. And I agree with you. I think there's very much how things used to be and how things are now and how things are going to be moving forward, which I think is mm-hmm. very interesting. So when I first started, I was like, I'm going to hang out and do design work at my computer, right? I wasn't sure I was going to grow a team. And over the years, we, you know, grew a team and I can pinpoint a couple of moments that were key in developing. One was, oh, I actually like working with a team. So let's, Mm -hmm. let's give this some structure. We had a project where I had to bring in um, some friends that were designers to help. And I was like, hmm, I like this team thing. So that was one point. Another point was when we started hiring people outside of people I'd worked with before, right? Because when you work with people you've worked with before, you have your shorthand. And then we were like, oh, we actually need to have joint language about what we're talking about. So everybody understands it. Mm -hmm. And then I think another um, point was when we made the shift from employees to contractors. And And then really the most recent point was getting through the year 2020. Um, with the team. Mm -hmm. And I think what's really interesting about that is, you know, as a leader, as a business owner, I've always been very transparent with my team about our growth, what our goals are. Um, Ever since we started doing team meetings um, once a week, which was probably six or seven years ago, here's where we are in sales goals. Here's what we're targeting. And so I was very transparent in 2020. And I was like, well, here's where we are, guys. (laughs) Um, and these are the different things we're going to do to work around it. And I could say we got the first PPP loan and guess what? Everybody's going to be paid their full pay for two months. Um, and that was huge. And then looking at the way the team adapted and supported each other throughout 2020 was really tremendous. And looking at that and going, something's happening here. And we were looking at hiring somebody else and we thought, how do we keep what we have here, right? And we were already doing work together at that time. And it's like, how do we keep what we have here in order as we're hiring new people and as we bring them in? And so I think what's really changed, the biggest change has been realizing how special our team was and all of these inherent traits we all brought to the table, but then 
articulating what they were. Um, and I think that's a lot what we've done in the work together is this is who Red Start is. These are our values. This is how we do our work. So now when we bring someone in, we're very clear and they get a very clear feel for who we are. And I think that's very important. And I don't think it's something you always talk about this, right? Like, that's fine if it's there, but let's take it from implicit to explicit, right? Fine. We have this understanding. Let's say it out loud. Let's tell other people about it. So when I'm talking to potential clients, when I'm talking to potential employees, I can tell them about these things that we have, have I don't know, quantified, right? That of uh, the things that are important to us as a team. And we didn't have that before. We, we kind of had an understanding of it, but actually having conversations about it and saying, hey, we agree this is all important to us has put us in a place where I feel like we are, I, I see where, I love where Red Start is and I feel where we are and I feel we're, we're, we're where we're meant to be, right? We're doing really great work. We're doing work with great clients. And I don't know if I would have that like feeling of we're where we're meant to be, right? Without that. So of course I have to then ask, like you, you did have values before mm -hmm. um, we started working together last year and it wasn't that they weren't working. I think what we're doing now is just, it's working in a different way. And so I'm curious, you know, kind of what do you think the difference is of what you had previously for values and what it was doing versus what you have now? I think the biggest thing is it was probably me writing down the values when I wrote them down, you know, a number of years ago. It was probably me saying, okay, these are things that are important to us. And the team may be saying, yeah, sure, that sounds good. This was actually working with the team and saying, what do we think of this? And then defining what they were because we had values, but we never had a definition around them. And so being able to actually write down what does that mean? What does collaboration mean? What does communication mean um, to us? And why is it important to us? What does inclusivity mean to us, right? And so I think that's the biggest difference is that it was a collaborative initiative and we added definitions to them. I have to agree <laughs> with that. It's always interesting to me what other people say. And I do think that in kind of thinking back on that process of of everything, not just of, you know, the establishing of the values and putting them in place, but, you know, so often they, they are just words. And it's like, well, what does that mean? What does that mean in action? And I think that that really did shift, you know, well, this is a thing. This is what this thing means. What does it mean in all the places that it shows up? And how, how does this... Um, support the operationalizing of, the, you know, of this and all the things that we do. So it's not just like here, here's a static thing. You know, it actually is very much integrated. And I think that integration of those values and the definition of them and how they work, I think that that really does make a huge difference. It does. And like, for example, communication, right? That, everyone's like, oh yeah, yeah, communication. But the way we've defined it is says, we value openness with each other and the organizations we support, right? That means communication just doesn't mean, oh, I'll send you an email on time, right? It means I'm going to have a full conversation with you about all the details. And so 
I think that's really, I think that's, that's important because that's a deeper level of why we value communication. Right. So in being more explicit about values and how this shows up in the work that you do with clients, as well as, you know, what this looks like internally for you as a team, how has, how has that impacted your hiring process all the way from like, this is what we need to hire for to, okay, great. Now this person is a part of the team. How does that come into play with that process? Well, the biggest thing, and and we started, I think it's almost a year ago. We started in mm-hmm. December of 2020 using the culture fit interviews. And we that's what we call it. We're like, let's write some questions around our values, right? Because especially for us, collaboration is really huge with us. Um, we really believe that everybody's skill sets and experiences can come together and make an end product better, whether it's a procedure, whether it's a client project, whatever it might be, but that has really great value. So when we look at that and we ask a question about collaboration, there might be some people that prefer to work on their own, go do the thing and bring it back completed. That's great, but that's not gonna work with how we work as a team. And so that's a really great, question that opens. And if people, you know, we ask a question around work styles, right? And if somebody's like, well, I like to do this and process it and then bring back the finished project, that might work for them, but that wouldn't necessarily work. And they could be a very talented, highly skilled individual, but that wouldn't necessarily work in our culture because we have a lot of room for feedback, a lot of room for communication on where things are going. And so we ask those questions in the beginning of the hiring process. And that's where Mm -hmm. we kind of flipped it on our heads. Like most people will do a technical interview and then they'll ask the other questions. Instead, we bring in a larger group of candidates, do shorter interviews around these. um, And then about, you know, how your values show up in your work styles. And then we only bring in two finalists to talk about the technical skills because the technical skills, a lot of times you can teach people. So that's definitely something that's different. And I've been telling people, do a culture fit interview, do a culture fit interview, because, you know, in a, in a year like this, we've hired five people this year, which is insane to even think of, right? We've had some shifts in some roles. We've added some capacity. Um, and to be able to say I've hired five people in this year, I think is a pretty big deal, but they're getting a sense of who we are in that culture fit interview and what, what matters to us just as much as we're getting a sense of them. I'm so glad you said that. You heard Rebecca talk about taking things from implicit to explicit, and I couldn't agree with her more. We can't talk around topics. We have to use language in order to call it what it is no matter how palatable or not so palatable it just might be. Even if you've done values work before, this provides a different level of insight into how you can do company culture and hiring differently. Again, today, Rebecca has been an amazing example of that thing exactly. You've heard firsthand exactly how this can play out. Leading through your values means being explicit about what you support and how your actions are aligned with that. Every person you hire, every business you buy from brings you closer or further away from your values. 
these are the decisions that ultimately shape your company culture. To learn more and to go ahead and get your session set up today, go ahead on over to pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit. I want to pause for a second and I want to I want to just go back for anyone that is not familiar with that term. A culture fit interview essentially is where you are really interviewing this candidate and uh, in a sense, allowing them to interview you to figure out whether or not the culture that you are inviting them into is going to be a good fit. If the way that they work works with how your team works, if the way that your team is supported, how it communicates, what it does and does not do, if this is a, a good fit for them. Because so often those things are like, oh, it doesn't matter, whatever. And w- we can clearly see now that that's not true. It does matter. And so that culture fit interview to me is what really has supported you to be able to not only have hired five people, but you've retained So I want to call that out, too, because I don't think that it's always just about hiring. It's also retaining people, retaining the right people. And so you want to bring them in. But what happens once they're there? You want to keep them. You want them to stay. And so to acknowledge that in the middle of, you know, the great resignation where so many people are leaving and so many people are having their entire professional life upended from, oh, we're in person. Oh, no, we're virtual. I don't want to stay virtual. I don't want to go back. Oh, no, you have to go back. All of these variables in the middle of a pandemic, you figured out how to hire to maintain the parts of, the, of your culture that work, that are conducive, to continue amplifying the ones that you want to do more of, and to be able to invite people in that understand what it is to complement that. And that no one feels as if they're an afterthought or that they just have to deal with things. I just I have to call it out because that's not typical to do that. And you've done that. You've done it well. Thank you. Yeah, I think I think that's something definitely to reflect on to be like, oh, yes, that is that is good. But also you have to look at we was it last? I think I don't know. I I get time is blurry, right? So uh, <laughs> last is. year, this year, whatever we did the values work, right? We brought in the culture fit interviews, but then we started asking other questions, right? We started mm-hmm. looking at everything through that perspective. So we went ahead and nature handbook had gender inclusive language. We wrote up guidelines for using gender inclusive language for our clients. We went ahead and looked at the new legislation out there and we added sick and safe leave to our handbook. We added, we looked at, and our team, um, we've got team that is very part-time to half-time to all the way up to full-time. And we looked and we're like, you know, there's a significant amount of people that are 20 to 25 hours, but by our handbook, they don't have vacation benefits. And so we were like, if you're 20 hours, you're going to get these benefits, right? So we put ourselves through a lens, even though we're like, we're working to have a good company culture and all of these things. So we went ahead and added 14 vacation days for people. And um, they were vacation days, but only if you were like 35 to 40 hours. So we went ahead and made those different adaptations. We listened to our team. I think the other thing is too, is 
what and I don't think this is revolutionary, but I think some people think it is. Our jobs are not our lives. We have lives outside of work. So even pre-pandemic, we would always make a joke that occasionally a kid or a dog or a cat would show up on a call, right? And I felt like the whole rest of the world caught up with us in 2020. Um, mm-hmm. I'll never forget, I was on a board meeting and somebody's kid walked across the background dressed as a burrito. And I was like, <laughs> that's a moment for me. <laughs> like, like not just a kid in the background parading dressed in a burrito costume. Right. Um, and I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is okay. And so it was really nice to have the rest of the world catch up. And then also just watching my team support each other, right? Watching people that had young kids at home, watching people pivot, watching people go through a lot of changes in their lives, whether it was with kids or parents or relatives and saying, okay, how does it work for you to structure your work around what your circumstances are right now? Do you need more hours? Do you need less hours? Um, And keeping that constant communication going because that's important. (laughs) It's important for people to feel valued and go, we get you have a life outside of here. I have a life outside of here. I have things I like to go do, right? I like to take time off of work. And so um, I think that's where, again, that collaboration and communication and, and then even another one of our values is authenticity, right? We want people to show up fully who they are. And I don't, I also don't think it's rocket science that people who are happy and feel appreciated and feel valued as individuals are going to produce great work and work well with one another. I don't right. know why that's like, I agree, rocket science, <laughs> like it's not rocket science. Be kind, value people, treat them well. Um, And again, but again, it goes back to, again, not to oversimplify, but, you know, I was fortunate to have great parents that taught me the importance of being kind to other people and valuing people. And, and then I just feel like it takes it, takes it to a next level. And I will tell you this year, you know, as an employer, just reading everything, myself feeling the collective sense of burnout, you know, that starts to weigh, right? It starts to weigh as an employer being like, are my employees okay? What do they need? Are they working too hard? And just doing check-ins and being like, hey, are you good? Could you use a break? Like um, with all the different things. So we actually have two days we've done. I think we closed the Friday before Labor Day. And we added a paid day in there. And then we're actually closing the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Um, mm-hmm. So people, because again, it, it's almost like the flip side, right? When you have a team that loves what they do, I'm like, maybe if we're closed for five days, people will hopefully not work for two days in a row, right? Or like right. not think about work. It <laughs> takes a while to like notch the brain down. But yes, I just think things like that are really important and staying in tune with that. And I think it's unique right now because it's collective, right? It's different circumstances for everybody, but we have a collective sense of burnout, a collective sense of weariness and talking to everybody, knowing their circumstances are different, but recognizing that it has been a really hard year and a half for different circumstances for different people. But I think recognizing that and having compassion for it. And then like you said, you know, we went, fully virtual March of 2020. 
because we can do our jobs virtually, right? Um, right? We certainly miss out on some of the camaraderie. Our office space, we got rid of our old space. We're in a new space now that we're so optional for people to come in for the remainder of the year, but it's meant for collaborative space, right? So we're going to have certain times where we come in and collaborate together. But then if you want to stay working in the office, great. If you don't, if you want to go work in a coffee shop, if you want to go work somewhere else, people know how they work best. So it's not up to me to tell them, you know, oh, you must work at this time and you must work in this way. Because I think then we're not recognizing the individuality in people. But all of that... First, first off, thank you for laying that out, because honestly, that was a big piece of what I wanted, you know, to be conveyed today, which is that, you know, the company culture work that we've done while it started with the values and taking them from implicit to explicit, this went beyond hiring. It went beyond the handbook. I mean, it really has become the filter for everything else. When we started talking about benefits, when you talked about the days off, when you talked about choosing your um, new physical space, it has shown up in so many ways. And I think it's too easy for people to tell themselves that this work doesn't really affect their work and it affects everything. There's nothing that it doesn't touch. And you laying that out, I mean, there was very little that wasn't addressed. And, you know, in case they didn't catch it, like this is a part of something that you share with the people that you're working with on, Hey, this is what we're doing here. Here's language things that we do or don't use. Like this shows up internally and forward facing and in actual direct client work. And I think it's so important to make sure that that's understood. Like this is, it really is everything. It's like a snowball, right? Mm -hmm. Like you start, it's like a snowball going down the hill because then you're like, oh, wait, now there's this. Oh, wait, now there's this. And I think the right. two other pieces that we've done this year that I'm really excited about was um, we came up with a document that knowing that we were going to be virtual through this year and easing back into our collaborative time next year of these are our commitments to each other, right? So we did a commitment document to each other saying, hey, we're not going to text, we're going to use Slack. And feel empowered to work outside of regular working hours, but don't feel obligated to respond outside of regular working hours and just different things like that. It was really good to lay the ground rules and get, you know, get that. So that was kind of like between us, but then we also drafted our, we might be a good fit if, and we might not be a good fit for clients. So I've got to do like some final edits to that and get it up on the on the website and in our proposals. But I think it's just such a great way. Like it shows you we did values, then we did culture fit interviews, then we did an agreement between all of us, how we were going to respect and support each other's work life balance. Right. Really support one another and having that and then rolling that into to clients like this is how we work. And if this isn't a good fit for you, that's okay. <laughs> but this mm -hmm. is how we're going to do it. Everything that you said, I think, is a part of why you have been able to create a team and successfully maintain and grow a team. Because I want to acknowledge that it's not for everyone. Some people don't necessarily like having team, but everyone is not a team leader. 
And so, again, going back to the great resignation, you've done all of these things, but I also, this is what I want you to toot your horn as the leader. Like what has helped you to successfully retain team members at a time that um, so many people are leaving? If there was something that you hadn't mentioned already, because you, I mean, and, and, and you're someone that I am with your team every month, you know, every single month, you know, we connect on a call, you know, I'm in Slack with you and your team is not just there and complacent. Like your team is a, is a working thriving unit. And so what's helped you to be able to retain at a time when everybody else cannot seem to hire or keep anybody? Right, right. And they speak up. I think that's really important too. We have a great feedback loop. So I have a leadership team with two women that run what you could say are different departments. We're not that big, but oversee the different types of work. Um, And we meet on a regular basis and they're in that meeting together. Every one of our employees, I try to talk to once a quarter. Um, Right now it's via Zoom, right? And maybe it's getting in and talking specifics about something. Maybe it's just chit-chatting, but it's giving that space. And also to state the obvious, I make sure, I, I try to make sure that they're paid well. We're getting ready. So we redid the whole handbook this year. We're getting ready early next year. We're going to do like a job description audit. We're going to go ahead and look at, comp- do a compensation audit. So those things are all really important things. And one thing that I realized, again, talking about this snowball, right? So what I realized is, we haven't raised our prices in a few years. And I was like, we need to raise our prices because it's important for me to pay my team well. And then we're going to be adding some new benefits next year. And I'm like, if there is any reason to raise your prices, that is it. And if I'm a company that is me, you know, a a less of a profit margin because I'm paying my team well and they have good benefits, that's okay with me. That's not saying I'm running a nonprofit, right? I'm still running a profitable business. However, maybe my margin's just a little bit less and that's and that's okay right like for me that aligns with me personally we're doing great work people that please i need like and i know that seems like an obvious but so many right. people are so like what what can i get out of this right and that is that right there is not commonplace and if it happened more often there would be more people that could maintain team honestly Right, right. And I think it's important. And and again, in reflecting, you know, because it's November, this is like budget forecast time for business owners. And we're looking at, okay, how, how you know, what are the employees last year, next year? We're looking at capacity. We're looking at all of salary, all of those things. And I'm like, you know, we actually have not raised our rates. Um, we do amazing work. We are busy. And I'm like, if there is any reason to raise your rates so you can give your team better benefits and make sure they're paid well, I think that's a that's a great reason to do it. I think that's a great reason to do it. And again, it's funny. So this is kind of like when I when I read Brene Brown, who I love. I've done the Brave Leaders class. But I read her stuff and I'm like, well, duh. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. I think she's amazing and I love everything she writes. And I love how all of hers is backed by data, right? But this is stuff that's just instinctual to me that we should just be treating our fellow humans well. 
Right. And what I like about the work that we've done together is great. You have a val- my value is we should be treating other humans well. But how do we get specific about that? Right. What are right. we doing to, in order to do that? And I think that's been something, again, in our work together, we've been able to take what essentially is my personal value. Right. I guess how I approach life and be able to integrate that with the people who have been attracted to work with Red Start over the years and really put that in, this is who we are, this is what we believe in, this is why we're doing the work we're doing, which I'm sure it'll probably say in the intro. But again, we're working with mission-driven organizations working for social impact and equity in their communities. So they're doing heavy things. They're doing very, very heavy things. So for us to be able to impact the work they're doing in any way is really, is really important. It is. I agree. So being that, again, so many people are, are really struggling right now. Um, I think you've laid out a lot of really great options for, um, you know, leaders or uh, a fellow CEO to be able to kind of inquire, like, am I actually doing what I think I'm doing? I think you've laid out um, some really great things to consider, some things to kind of check in on, some things that maybe need to be expanded or amplified in ways that they haven't been um, quite as much previously. And so uh, is there anything else that you think would be of benefit to consider or to do for someone that is attempting to create a thriving business and work environment, again, during this current time? I'm going to put my communications hat on for a second. So mm-hmm. I just, I, I told you I was doing a webinar earlier today right. um, and we were talking about messaging. And as an organization, whether you are a business, whether you are a nonprofit, you need to be very clear on who you are, what you do, why you matter, and what makes you unique. And you need to know those mm-hmm. things foundationally. It needs to be united across the inside of an organization. And it needs to be understood outside of an organization. So that's your baseline, right? Get very clear on that. Out of that comes your mission, vision, and values. And you need to get alignment there and communicate it to the employees that you have right now. And then use it to bring other people on. Um, I think that we've seen some really out there behavior. You know, when we look back at, when we look back at the last 18 months, which is still continuing on, right? When we look Mm -hmm. back at it historically, we're going to see a joint event that caused so much um, distress and trauma and burnout among individuals based upon their different circumstances that happened. Right. But collectively, we have this difficult and exhausting experience. So you need to have compassion and empathy for your employees. You know, they may show up one day and just not be on their A game. Right. And something may have happened. So the best thing to do, and this is what we do, and in that we did this in that agreement to each other, we said, if you're feeling under the weather or if you just need a minute, Give your report and don't come to our team meeting, right? Because sometimes people will be like, oh, I'm here, but I'm not on video because I don't feel well. And I'm like, that's like, it is okay 
if you need a minute or you need a break to not show up. And I think employers need to have compassion and they need to have empathy. And I think under extraordinary circumstances, you need to adapt. So I think that's really important. And I, I've seen, unfortunately, in a lot of conversation around this great resignation, a huge lack of compassion, a huge lack of empathy or understanding on circumstances people were put in and don't necessarily have control over. And so I think that's the biggest thing. Like, I, yeah. I'm not shocked that the this is happening. I also had a, there was a really great, not to go too tangentially, but I had a conversation with somebody the other day and um, I am, I guess, technically I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer. And um, we were talking about, you know, some people are like, oh, these millennials are causing the great resignation. And this person I was talking to, she's like, the millennials are taking action on things that other generations have known about for years. And right. so while maybe each generation talked about it a little bit more, they're taking action on it. And yes. Yes. All for it. Right. Like we, we we learn about this in personal circumstances. Right. You shouldn't be in a relationship or, you know, a friendship or whatever where you're treated poorly. And I think businesses can thrive. Businesses can do well by treating their employees well. And I think the more we are looking at each other as humans, recognizing each other's strengths, I just think that is so much good can come out of that. And I don't, I don't quite understand why there's a hesitancy around that. I think people, there's a lot of fear around it. It is. There's a lot of hesitancy. There's a lot of fear around it. And I'm like, you know, when you recognize people for what they're great at, you empower them to do what they're great at, you know, you're, you're going to see amazing growth as a business. And you're also going to see, again, um, you know, the way our team has supported each other in this, in this environment and this, the collaboration and the support and the cheering on um, has been really wonderful. Facts, all of that, all of those things. And I, I love it. Facts. <laughs> I'm like that. I'm like, I, I hope people really do take that to heart because again, it seems so simplistic and yet it seems to be the hardest thing for a lot of, you know, institutions and, and groups and businesses and brands to do. I think it's possible, though. I think it's absolutely possible. So I, of course, already love Red Start as Red Start is my <laughs> my archetype for an amazing team. However, I would love uh, for more of our listeners to learn a little bit more about Red Start. And in case they do encounter businesses that can benefit from what you do, or they happen to be one. Um, how can they learn more about you? Great. I always love to share information. So our website, redstartcreative.com is a great place to go. We offer a ton of resource blogs on there with a lot of great information. And then you can find us on all the social channels um, at Red Start Creative. And we really are trying to share a lot of great information. And we also have on our website, we also have a bunch of ultimate guides. So your ultimate guide to website, your ultimate guide to social media, your ultimate guide to annual reports. So just a great place to get information. Certainly check out our work. But if there's good information on there you can share, that's great too. Amazing, amazing. For all of your time and your context and for being the amazing leader of a 
group that I love working with. <laughs> and as a human, because I actually do consider you a friend. Thank you thank for you. everything, Rebecca. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you, Erica. This was so good. I love the fact that we went into things that you can tangibly do differently, some things to be aware of, and really just getting back to those core things that matter most. And just kind of having that reminder just being presented to you, I think it makes a difference. It's not always having things drilled into you or you have to do it this way. Sometimes it's just listening to a conversation between two people like we just had and kind of having that revelation of like, oh, you know what? Let me try this. I think there's so much value in it. And I'm absolutely positive that Rebecca gave you so many great things to consider. And of course, how it is that you can reconsider the normal that was given to so many of us when we set out to start our businesses and how we've grown them. We get to choose what to do. You can do the same. So for showing up here, for taking in this conversation, for being willing to reconsider your normal, as always, thank you. Together, let's continue getting more people to drop the veil while challenging their thoughts, feelings, and actions. So until the next time, keep the dialogue going. Bye. People think they know what to expect, but it's time for you to remind them they haven't met you yet. Bi-Weekly, India Jackson, co-founder of Pause on the Play, has conversations exploring branding and visibility. Own your values and amplify your influence by giving the Flaunt Your Fire podcast a follow today. As we close out, I want to make sure that we acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the stolen land of the Susquehannock, Piscataway, Nantigo people native to this area known as Maryland. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take, and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?